Ladies and gentlemen, this is the BU Hockey Show. Thanks for one-timer. Down low for Cockrell. In front, Curry scores! BU moving it well, and a shot and a goal! Mueller deeks, saved by Schroeder! She got an opportunity for a shot, and she scores! Welcome into episode 24 of the BU Hockey Show. I'm Patrick Donnelly. With me is Brady Gardner. And, you know, things didn't go quite the way we had hoped in Albany this weekend. But personally, solid weekend on the ice. Not so great. That's right, Patrick. It's nice to be back here. The friendly confines uh, back on campus probably 11 hours after we arrived here uh, last night. After a long weekend in Albany, it was a weekend that felt like a month and a week that felt like a year. And unfortunately, it didn't go so well for the hockey team here with BU. But, you know, it was still a nice weekend for us. It was cool to be there, a cool experience at the national tournament, and uh, obviously ongoing with the Frozen Four coming up. We won't be making the trip to Pittsburgh, of course. Um, but, you know, cool to be a part of a national tournament for the first time in our time at BU. Just too bad that BU couldn't make it any further than the first round. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a shame. Um, well, not not so much. I mean, it's a shame, but it's an expected shame, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like we, I mean, the I, worst I picked... part is like we knew going into that it was a coin flip, and we were like, you know, we wouldn't be surprised at all if BU loses, which might be the worst part. Um, <laughs> like it's just the way the last month. It's, we keep going back to every single show, like the last three. Like it's just the way the last few weeks, last month has been with this team. Um, and yeah, like you just they had it and then they didn't. <laughs> and that's just the way it was this season. Well, that's right. You say, you know, oh, the last month and, and it's significant, of course, the way that you close out the season, but especially when it's only what ended up being a 16 game season where, you know, tripping up for the last, or not, not tripping up, but looking different for your last four or five games. It's like, well, well that's, a, you know, almost a, a third of your season there, you know? So, you know, it, it was, it was something that we saw coming. I think we knew that this BU team didn't necessarily have it like, they would need a pretty special run to get to the frozen four. And uh, you know, you, you add in a, some bad puck luck there in that game, which we'll get to a little more in depth, but you know, even when things aren't going their way, you know, that it's going to be a real uphill battle. Even when things are going their way, sometimes uh, you know, it's a little tricky to get the results as, as it ended up being the last few weeks of the season here. So a, uh, an unfortunate, but almost a uh, predictable exit early in the national tournament. But like Albie said, after the game, it is a step in the right direction. At least they were there. So, you know, like my, minor positives, minor negatives, and we can sort it all out as the offseason continues. Yeah. Um, I think all things considered, you know, you look at the season as a whole, and we said we'd get into season, like a whole season reflection, like in another show. But if you look at it as a whole, it was, it was a success, um, as disappointing as the last six games have been. Um, but, yeah, let's, let's get into it. We got um, – 6-2 loss to St. Cloud State in the regional semifinals. And BU took the lead early. They they played well. Like, well, not through the first 30 minutes, 45 minutes of the game, they played well enough to win. Or uh, they did enough to win. You know, the first period, Comesso was as busy as ever. Um, and, you know, he's keeping you in it. You get some decent chances in the first, and then you come out and score early in the second. You feel like you're in control. St. Cloud gets it, you tie it back up, and then the mm -hmm. wheels fall off the bus. Well, yeah, it was a kind of a, a series of like almost two two performances, I would say. Like you had the first period where you have that five-minute major penalty on Dylan Peterson, which is about the most obvious five-minute major of the season so far for BU. Just hit the guy right in the numbers, right into the boards, head first. Like, what are we doing? Um, so Dylan Peterson gone 
just nine minutes into the game, I think, and you're like, oh boy, this could get ugly fast with a major penalty. And actually, it kind of worked in BU's favor, like Albie said after the game. You know, they were able to get some momentum from it, find a rhythm a little bit, survive that five minutes, and had a little bit of momentum going in. Uh, you know, through the rest of the period, couldn't break through, but they did eight <laughs> seconds in. Wilmer Skoog in that second period. You know, you're feeling pretty good, one nothing, until that goal turned the games around. Like, how, how did that go in? How did how did that whole thing happen? I mean. Just our, I guess, just our luck. Like this season of BU, full of bad luck, and of course, we just get the most ridiculous goal maybe I've ever seen in person, uh, just happening at the absolute wrong time for BU. Like chipped off the, I don't even know. It was a puck battle behind the net. Somehow it chips off the boards and ends up in the slot. Drew Comesso has no clue where it is. The defenders have no clue where it is, and all of a sudden it's in the back of the net. And I think that was kind of the turning point of the game. Because even though it was just 1-1 at the time, and yeah, it ended up being 2-2 because Jake Wise tied it up later, and it was still very much a game at that point, I think Drew Comesso just looked different after that. Like You, you know, you start second-guessing yourselves, and, and, and the rebound control, it wasn't as good, and the uh, you know, just like decision-making was a little slower because almost in the back of his mind, he knew that just a fluky goal had gone in against him, and you're almost expecting things to go wrong again after that. He just didn't seem like the same goalie the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, how could you not? Uh, get rattled by that like the puck just miraculously ends up I, I don't even I don't think Nolan Walker did that on purpose no there's there's no chance um and somehow it ends up right on like Micah Miller's tape and no one no one else knows where it is and I mean you're you're sitting there as the goalie when that happens on you and you're just sitting there like what the hell what the hell what what just happened and you can't process it because and, – and then all of a sudden, like a minute and a half later, they score again off a double deflection off your own guy in front. And, again, a goal that should not have happened. And now all of a sudden you're in a hole and you're just scrambling mentally. Yeah, and that's that little bit of adversity where you would like to have a little bit of a better response to it because the puck luck was certainly not on their side, and that was obvious through those two goals just minutes apart. But I don't know if we necessarily saw the fight back we would have liked. They had the power play goal. It ended up being 2-2. But from that point, it just felt like St. Cloud was taking the game to them instead of vice versa. And I still think that BU had good moments, and St. Cloud was able to defend it well. Um, but, you know, once they start putting in a couple goals, 3-2, and then another turning point of the game, you get third period. BU has a five-minute power play, give up a shorthanded uh, breakaway, and called for a penalty shot. Um your thoughts on that call, Patrick, while we're there? I, no, I don't think it's a penalty shot. No? No. It's, it's a penalty. Yeah. I don't know if it's a penalty shot, but like, whatever. In Hockey East, we're used to seeing, like, penalty shot is only given if literally the guy just dives and hacks the guy's ankles down. Like, they, they never give penalty shots in Hockey East. And so I don't know where this officiating crew was. Your guess was Big Ten. Um, but maybe they are a little bit more lenient with penalty shots. And uh, at that point in the game, to give one, it's uh, it must have been pretty pretty blatant blatant in their eyes. So get a penalty shot. I was okay with it at the time because I thought Drew Comesso has been okay on penalty shots this year, uh, in limited sample size for that. I've seen one or two. Well, they had the penalty shootout in uh, in Lowell. He looked okay, although that's against Lowell. Um, I thought you know I was confident with it. You know, you figure that they have some some penalty killer, like bottom six guy, ended up being one of their more talented players. He puts it away. And that's just kind of where I think the the reality of the situation settled in a little bit because we haven't seen too many late comebacks from BU or late pushes at least 
in the last month or so. You know, they had the special moments against UMass and, you know, BC or even the UConn game, I guess, tying it up late. But from then on out, you know, I'm not sure we saw that same firepower or at least pressure from BU after it was four to two. And you kind of just knew how the game was going to go from there. St. Cloud gets a couple more and um, six two scoreline. I don't know if that's necessarily reflecting how the game actually was six two. It sounds like a blowout. It didn't feel like it was a blowout until the very end. I mean, the second half of that second period and the third period were just ugly for yeah. BU. You can say BU played did enough to win for the first half of the game and, you know, stuck with St. Cloud. But, you know, the second St. Cloud made it 2-1. Or I guess the second it, it became, yeah, 2-1. I mean, I don't – the wise goal, yeah, whatever, you tie it. But you you knew they, their backs were still against the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, you could like they couldn't clear. It was the same thing we saw with BC yesterday. They couldn't clear the puck out. They weren't making smart decisions, playing as a bunch of individuals, not as as a team. And you just knew it wasn't going to go well. Right. It was uh you know I think the way that BU kind of played this year, like there or at least down the stretch here, there was a fine margin of error. Or at least the, what, what, the, my, the margin of error wasn't big. Like you needed to play from in front and they started with that. Of course, they gave up a goal quickly. You know, you needed to have control of the game. You needed to be able to establish your offensive possession, get a few power play opportunities. And when that, that doesn't happen, it's like, well, what's your backup plan? And BU's just wasn't really good enough. Uh, you know, St. Cloud obviously being a strong team. We'll talk about that BC game in a minute. Um, just uh, It just felt like BU had a little bit more to offer there. And uh, in the last 30 minutes, they didn't really seem like a team that had a had a final push in them, and, uh, and that ended up being the case. Down 6-2, which is a too bad, you know, it's an unfortunate way to end um, the season. You know, a season with some pretty big wins, of course. And, you know, generally we talked about how they, they play up to opponents. Well, this would have been a golden opportunity to do that. Didn't exactly happen, at least towards the end. Um, and, it, you know, sad after the game, we have, you know, Logan Cockrell pretty much confirming David Ferentz has done that. It ended up coming true 20 Less hours than a later. day later. Sure. Yeah, listen, I mean, he, like Mark Linehan had the good quote on the BU broadcast. He's going to have a pro deal in about 20 minutes. And he did pretty much. He's now with Nashville. Um, but some other interesting things coming out of Albany, Patrick. I know uh, you had some some inside sources, did you? Oh, yes. Uh, breaking news. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So what we heard is Logan Cockrell intends to stay and use his extra year because of the pandemic. Um, and we also. So heard that well, Ty Monty had the red shirt year anyways. He technically also gets a sixth year because of COVID. Gonna get um, a doctorate. But, yeah, I know. <laughs> but he also intends to stay. I felt like that was kind of obvious, especially with his brother coming um, next season. And Max Kaufman, grad transfer, only his fourth. He's a grad transfer, but it was only his uh, fourth NCAA season. So he still has that extra year um, of eligibility regardless. Um, and he also intends to stay at BU. Yeah. And that's big because we were kind of looking at it after, you know, before we kind of heard these things and, and we were saying, wow, you know, they're, if they've got a nine person freshman class coming in, they're very sophomore heavy this year, which means they'll be junior heavy next year, assuming guys stick around, hopefully, you know, but (laughs) after that, what do you have? You're going to have a same small group of seniors. You know, your group of sophomores is basically Jake Wise, Jack DeBoer and Matt Corsia. I don't think there's any other juniors. And Wise and DeBoer were in and out of seniors. They're going to be seniors. Yeah, she said sophomores. Sorry. Like, 
what does your leadership group look like next year? It wasn't totally clear. I want to give Matt Corsia a letter. I think he deserves it. But after that, like, what are you really doing? And I think you figured some of that out here because you're bringing back three, you know, hopefully it happens. You're bringing back three leaders from this season. Logan Cockrell probably going to wear the C again for a second year. Ty Amati had an A to start the season. Max Coffin ended up getting that A. You figured both of them will stay involved as leaders. Like you kind of just solidified your leadership group for next season. I mean, if, if these rumors are true and if they end up sticking with, uh, you know, what they maybe believe right now, but it's a, uh, it's interesting. You know, it's, I think it's, it's definitely good news. I don't know what yeah. it means for the lions and everything, you know, that'll have to shake things out because it's going to be a, you know, I think even a deeper team than it was this year, which is hard to believe. But Yeah. And I, I, we don't know anything for sure. All we can do is speculate, but I, we feel like there would probably be um, some transfers. There always seem I mean, to be right. There's, you know, just this year, we're just seeing a ridiculous amount. There's like over 150 players in the portal. You could field an entire conference that would get an automatic bid to the tournament with the Start players transfer portal right now. Um, and I think it's, you know, whether it's we talk about, again, speculation, we talk about guys on the outside, like a Jack DeBoer, like you don't know. Yeah, a guy what, who what started he his he wants, go, he wants to go play somewhere. So. Exactly. I mean, you know, guys like you look at Jack DeBoer who started his BU career as everyday guy. And all of a sudden, you know, saw a couple of games this year, or even at Jake Wise, who of course he had his first goal of the season here this weekend, but you know, it hasn't exactly been, you know, what he had hopefully, or I guess probably expected what anyone envisioned. Yeah. What he envisioned. That's the word. Um, so maybe he's looking for greener pastures. Like you're going to probably see some movement here, hopefully, you know, less than more, because it would be good to get some consistency. Um, but that's kind of what has to shake out here over the off season. And uh, we won't know till we know. So we'll keep an eye on that stuff. Um, what else? Want to go over some of the other games, Patrick? Sure. Well, we had uh, well, we'll stick with um. Actually, <laughs> this is, this is also in this crazy week, uh, all these cancellations, including Notre Dame having to drop out of the Albany region, which gave BC the uh, automatic spot in the regional championship game yesterday. Um, and the other cancellation was Michigan having to drop out and forfeiting their game against Minnesota Duluth. Um, any thoughts on those cancellations? I mean, the Minnesota Duluth and Michigan one's tough because it's day of, but the pro, um, the Michigan one, not the Michigan one, the Notre Dame one, that was two days before. That one's a little of annoying. Like you can't do anything about the Michigan one. It's whatever. That's just going to happen this year. We saw it a couple times in the men's basketball tournament. Um, but what bothers me with the Notre Dame one is, you know, Providence was on call. This was like 12 hours after the deadline had passed for Providence to get the call if a team dropped out. Is it really that hard at that point to give Providence a call and get them into Albany? I don't think so, but I'm not the one making the decisions. I get how difficult the logistics are, but I still think there was a way to make it work. Yeah, and we said it too. Like we kind of almost foreshadowed it. Like these, it seemed like the Tuesday night deadline was a little early, and you know, I don't know how hard it would have been to keep Providence in the testing protocols and all that. I'm sure it would have been quite difficult because they literally they, they made a, a mini bubble there in Albany for uh, half a week. You know, and Providence obviously wasn't there, so you know it makes sense that it, they uh, you know they couldn't wedge Providence in at the last second. It just would have been nice if there was a way to do that instead of giving BC the automatic spot into that championship game. Although as it, as it turned out, it didn't matter because BC lost anyway. Um, last night, four to one was the final, I believe. Yeah, four one. 
St. Cloud State beating BC after the Eagles went on top first, and St. Cloud with four unanswered goals, including three in the second period. Um, a couple interesting ones, like a couple of scrambles around the net. There were, I mean, another talking point is all the challenges that they had at the rink there in Albany. Um, <laughs> but there, there was, you know, game was full of that, just like the BU St. Cloud State game was. Um, and uh, it ultimately turned out that the Huskies were able to win. Like I said, 4-1, we were there for part of that game. Uh, your thoughts on the St. Cloud State win? I thought it was a complete effort by St. Cloud. It was, um, I'm kind of all in on St. Cloud here, and they're making me uh, t- walk back a lot of takes here. Um, <laughs> yeah. But St. Cloud is a likable team. They're, they play a very fun style to watch because they're skilled, they're fast, but they also play hard, they play physical, and they're defensively responsible. They're kind of a complete package. And David yeah. Rennick is kind of exercising some demons here. Um, and BC, it was kind of the same thing as BU, like just could not get the puck out of their zone offensively, not playing collectively as a team. Um, just trying to be a bunch of heroes and it killed them. Yeah. And we said that before too. We said, you have to be able to weather the storm and who did that? It was St. Cloud state over the entire weekend, you know, first against BU where it looked like the Terriers had momentum. St. Cloud gets a couple bounces, take control of that game. And then here, you know, we were talking about how BC looked like they were, you know, just flying all over the place. They had swagger. You were saying, you know, they are obviously the best team in the con or in the, uh, in the regional. And they showed it in that first period. You know, they looked like they were the team that had that were the favorite because they were the favorite, but St. Cloud state kind of survived that. And then they're able to take advantage in the second period, you know, pressure night end up uh, forcing a couple goals. there, just kind of, you know, effort goals, not the prettiest, but, you get the puck in the back of the net, you go ahead, and then you play solid defense the rest of the way, bottle things up. Like, it's the perfect formula to beating a good team. And that's exactly what they did. And you said that they're a very likable team. You know, I completely agree with that. Just the way that they play, you know, it's the right balance of the physicality of all those six foot four defensemen, along with the skill and the speed of the five nine forwards. Like, it's a nice blend that they have there. David Rennick, a great story, his senior year after choking, you know, freshman, sophomore, no, you know, no uh, tournament, his junior year, comes back as a senior and he's going to the Frozen Four and he looked great all weekend. So I'm happy for St. Cloud State. I'm like an honorary SCSU fan the rest of the way. Yeah, um, I feel like for me, it's either them or UMass are my most likable teams. Yeah. Um, I don't even want to call UMass likable. It's just like, you know, the hockey is thing and, you know, guys you're familiar with. So you want to see them do well. Um but you gotta like just speaking of likable team, likable players, Easton Brodzinski, man, I feel bad for him. Like, so he caught a pretty tough hit from Trevor Kuntar of BC Bruins prospect. Um, and it was, it was a clean hit. Was it necessary? Did, did you need to throw that hit? Not at all. It was clean, but that's a hit that, I mean, what are we doing? Like, I mean, I get it, set the tone, be physical, and I can't really complain because it is clean, but it's just unfortunate. You never want to see a guy get hurt like that, especially yeah. an important player, a guy that people clearly rally around from at St. Cloud. Yeah, the guy, a guy who, who was at 99 points, unless he comes back next year, he's going to finish at 99 points. Wow. Oh, man. And he's a guy who was probably looking at the pro deal because he's unsigned or undrafted. Yeah, but, you know, they almost got better after he was out. Like, that, that was a little bit of a, a regrouping opportunity for them with that long stoppage getting him off the ice. And they ended up, you know, just looking like the better team from there on out. Like, you know, there was a lot of fight back from St. Cloud over the weekend. 
Um, I was happy, you know, for their, uh, their WTBU equivalent. I don't even know what the radio station's called there, but, you know, Drew Steele and the team, like, they made the drive CBSC, all the way up. CBSC, I believe. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Um, they're driving right now, by the way, going back to Minnesota. Like, Woof. Yeah, they, uh, they raised money to do it, so good, good on them to have that opportunity and not have to go completely out of pocket. Um, but I was happy, you know, happy for them that, they, that St. Cloud made the trip worth it, and maybe they're going to Pittsburgh, too. Who is, who knows? Um, the uh, the last Albany note I kind of referred to it. The state of that rink. I mean, what was <laughs> what was going on there? I mean, what did we have? We had first it was seventy five degrees and the ice was just a pond and the glass was smudging or not smudging but it was what do they call it? Like it was uh, foggy. It was foggy and they needed like foggy. a squeegee. Like it was crazy. Um, and then during the game you have. It was actually things were going pretty well until Luke Tuck shattered some glass with a hit. Also, apparently cracked the boards. We didn't see it up close. Yeah. TV broadcast probably had. Um, you had that. You had some potholes around the benches. Um, what else? Anything else on Friday or Saturday? I don't think so. But then Sunday, you had the nets come off of their posts like. Like nothing. <laughs> like Spencer Knight was just knock, like tapping it over. I don't know how Rennick wasn't because he spent an entire period in front of that net. But all of a sudden, Knight got in the net and it just kept coming off. Like the, the ice crew had their work cut out for him. And of course, we had so many reviews. Like that was another part of it. You know, even off the ice, there were challenges. Just trying to keep everything squared away. That, that BU game was like three hours. More than that, three and a half. Yeah, it was, it was a long game. For a 60-minute game. A lot of delays. Second period in the BC game between, you know, the long delay getting Brodzinski off the ice, um, all the, the nets, and I think there was a couple lengthy goal reviews. Yeah. Just way too long, way too long. And a lot, a lot of Twitter outrage about this too, but especially with the reviews, like the NCAA is killing itself with these reviews, especially like you know, we see it a lot in Hockey East too. College hockey in general kills itself with these reviews. Yeah, I mean, you look at just the, I guess, one example would just be last night when uh, when Walker's going down the wing for St. Cloud, he pressures the net, and the original call is goaltender interference, and he knocked Knight in, and that's why the puck went in. And it kind of looked like that at first, but then you watch the replay, and clearly the puck's already in. I don't know how it squeaked past Spencer Knight, but it's already in before he makes the contact. Okay, so they're looking at that, and then next thing you know, they're looking at offsides from that play. Like, there's several different elements that they have to review to any given goal, and then, by the way, somehow they ended up calling a penalty on him for scoring. <laughs> like, I guess goaltender interference after the puck was in the net. How do you? Yeah. Um, it was a lot of like weird little things like that. And maybe that's part of it's an ECAC run event with Big Ten or whoever referees. And you know, the, I don't know the last time there was a hockey game in Albany. I think it's been a while. Like there is a lot of weird things that happen. Um did it affect the on ice like action that much? I would hope not. I don't think so. Um, but it certainly made the games a lot slower. Is what it is. Yeah. Hopefully Pittsburgh has its stuff figured out, which it should, because it's an NHL rink. It's an NHL rink that's been having games. Yeah. Uh, just looking to finish off the show at some of these uh, other brackets. Let me know if you have any thoughts as we go along. Um, down in uh, in Bridgeport, Bemidji State upsetting Wisconsin six three. Cole Caulfield's probably last game before. Uh, well, we think he's going to win the Hobie. We'll see. UMass beat. Oh, I thought you were going to say before he signed pro. I was like, he did. That too. He, he did. had a pro contract in 20 minutes. Okay. Like yeah. Even Terrence. 
well, he did sign pro and, um, and he'll probably win the Hobie. So Cole Caulfield, plenty of good stuff ahead for him. Um, UMass beat Lake Superior 5-1 and then UMass shut out Bemidji State 4-0. My pick for UMass to go to the championship game is looking pretty good, by the way, Patrick. It is, especially with North Dakota out. Yeah. So North Dakota. What a segue. What a segue. What a segue. Smooth. Um, that Out there in Fargo, we had North Dakota beating American International 5-1. Um, Minnesota Duluth getting past Michigan on a no contest game there with Michigan having to back out. And then in five overtimes, 3-2 Minnesota Duluth over North Dakota. And that was kind of interesting. Like for me, I think, you know, when you get to five overtimes and you played eight periods of hockey, chances are having the extra legs after not playing the day before is pretty helpful. So the fact that Michigan had to bow out and Minnesota Duluth automatically ended up in that five overtime championship game, I think it probably favored the Bulldogs. Probably. Yeah. So Dakota's North Dakota's out your championship pick. You lost two champion picks in two tournaments in about 24 hours. <laughs> We're not Less than 24 money. hours. It was all technically in the same day. Oh boy. Yes, that's right. Oh, poor guy. On the other side of the bracket, we have, um, obviously, we just talked about Albany with St. Cloud State going on to the Frozen Four. And um, and the other part of the bracket would be Minnesota beating Omaha 7-2. The Minnesota State. One, one thing. There. On the flip side of your point about the extra legs, when you play a normal amount of hockey in a normal schedule, which is back-to-backs in college hockey, and you're St. Cloud State, you have the momentum, you've just played, you have your legs under you. You're BC. You've been sitting around, especially after a very disappointing loss. Recipe for disaster. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we saw both ways that the rest can help or hurt because maybe, you know, by the fourth or fifth overtime, Duluth had slightly fresher legs in North Dakota and it helped them, but they have to get to that point first. And BC couldn't do that because St. Cloud was already rolling. They went deep in their tournament and then they beat BU pretty handily. You know, they're on good momentum while BC comes in after stumbling in the hockey semifinals. So, you know, I think it, it was a recipe for disaster, like you said. You know, it was going to be an uphill battle for BC, even though they were the fresher team, technically, even though they were the better team. You just felt like, uh, you know, it would have been helpful for them to get their legs going a little bit against uh, Notre Dame, which didn't happen. Uh, the rest of the Colorado or Loveland, Colorado region, I said Minnesota 7-2 over Omaha, Minnesota State 4-3 over Quinnipiac in overtime. And then Minnesota State last night beat Minnesota 4 nothing. So there's my champion out, um, which means it's Minnesota State against St. Cloud State, battle of Minnesota teams there. And then Minnesota Duluth against UMass. Frozen 4 coming up, not this weekend, but the weekend after. Um, any, any early thoughts on those matchups? It was Minnesota State, Minnesota Duluth, and St. Cloud. Or no, Minnesota, St. Cloud and Minnesota State. State. Yeah. Oh, man, I don't know if I like St. Cloud's chances. Um, no? No, Minnesota State's just like like the top of the class of the WCHA. And, like, you know, Dryden McKay's a stud. And they're, t- like, they're just a team that, like, again, we don't know much about them because of different conference, but it just feels like they're just a buzzsaw for some reason. Just f- because of what they did in the regular season, Dryden McKay and just the, the style they play out west. It's heavy, but it's also fast and skilled. Mm-hmm. it's going to be a good game it I is think. it's going to be a good game regardless yeah we talk about toss-ups like i think that's a pretty big one um, I, yeah i think it could go either way i just probably give the slightly slight edge to michigan state or minnesota state yeah um, then the other one minnesota duluth and umass that's another good one sheesh 
that's a rematch of a championship game last time. It is. I don't know. I want to. I want to say UMass because they have been rolling literally since January, or I guess early February when they got back. Um, but Minnesota Duluth, I mean, two-time national champion or twice consecutive um, defending champion, and they're playing their best hockey right now too, coming out of a very difficult division or region. Like that's another great game there. I mean, you get to this point of the year, there's not not gonna be any bad games, I guess. I know. Yeah. Well, we'll have uh, probably be able to talk about that more. Probably be able to talk about a lot of things more as we go on. Exactly. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Um, not really. Just you know, as far as the BU end of things go, and we're gonna dive into this more in later episodes. But you got a big recruit class coming in. Looks like it's a lot of talent, especially Roman Schmidt, Tyler Boucher. Um, looks like they're going to be like Roman Schmidt. Looks like he's going to be a first or second round pick. Tyler Boucher, maybe third ish round. Um, so that's probably your headliners there. Um, but you you feel pretty good about you. You want to feel good about next year with the talent they have coming in. The talent it seems like they're retaining. Um, and who knows? It should be pretty interesting to see how things unfold here, especially with the transfer portal. Well, that's right. I mean, you have the opportunity to maybe bring in some more veterans because you might have a limited junior class or senior class. It's helpful that you're getting some veterans back. You know, if Cockrell and Amonti and Kaufman do end up staying, that's huge for the team. And then you have this big freshman class with some pretty high-end talent there. You know, it's just a matter of can you keep the consistency? Because that's always been a big thing, especially while we've been here. But, you know, really recent history of BU hockey. Can you keep a lineup consistent year to year? Because that's what's getting UMass and Minnesota State and, you know, whoever else into the championship games here. You know, that's what's getting them into the big games. Like, can you have that consistency while also adding in some of this young talent, maybe transfers that you think can help you, you know, getting those freshmen this year? to keep growing. Same with the big sophomore class. Are they going to take a step as upperclassmen, right? There's a lot of potentials, we always say. And then you have the Frozen Four in Boston. You have Albie O'Connell finally in his fourth year, potentially. And, and you know, having a every player who will have been here to have been in his system only. Like, every reason for the team to do well next year and to hope the team does well next year. And so I hope they do. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in that case, uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm on Twitter at PatDon12. Brady's on Twitter at Brady D. Gardner. Carolyn Mooney, who's with us this weekend, is at Cara Mooney. Um, check out all of our photos, our written content on WTBU Sports at WTBU Sports on Twitter and sites.bu.edu slash WTBU slash sports. And what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say when should the people expect another show from us? Later this week, early next week? I would just say let's keep it on a normal schedule and go next week. That's what we'll do. We'll go next week with a probably more comprehensive season wrap-up. Sure. Sorry to interrupt. Carry on. Well, in that case, we know when the next show is going to be. And if there's any breaking news, you know where to find it on Twitter and on the website. But in that case, as I've said several times now, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.